Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies and the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack and maybe a bottle of wine and let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go, but I am going alone, running far, far from home, till I am skin and bone. Part two. Part two, episode four. And uh, we still don't know what we're doing. Uh, We're attempting to figure it out as we go. Sitting in my closet as we speak, trying (laughs) to figure out the audio. (laughs) Yeah. um, And I have my puppy with me for the beginning of this. So if you hear licking noises, it's it's because I can't leave her by herself because she will scream. Um, So she has to be in the room with me. Because hey, Leland <laughs> is the same way. Yes. Um, so how are you and what are you drinking in your closet? <laughs> it's like a speakeasy over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm great. We just got back from bike riding in Key West and that was a little fun time. Um, watched some sailboat races. I'm actually drinking liquid IV, the lemon lime flavor, <laughs> trying to get my hydration back up. So nothing too crazy. Just water yeah. with some added things. What about you? I am drinking a wine I found on the shelf at H-E-B, so. Oh, little H-E-B. Yeah, it's, what was it called, like, Sea Pearl, and it's a Sauvignon Blanc, and it's uh, from New Zealand, and that's all I know about it. Oh, lovely. I love it. So, I have been drinking a lot of white wines lately because red wine makes me have the worst hangovers I've ever had in my life. Oh, interesting. I wonder why um I'm sure it's like the tannins and all that bullshit yeah it just gives me like the worst migraine I've ever experienced um so that's trying to avoid that which sucks because I love red wine yeah oh no hi daddy's home hi Corey food's on the the tip the kitchen it's in the kitchen (laughs) food's on the table in the kitchen (laughs) he'll figure it out yeah so I'd like to start by saying that we are, Haley is not using her microphone this time because we had a little fiasco with the headphones. So, you know, it may sound a little bit more muffled than usual, but um, just as a reminder, everyone, we are working through Zoom. And so, because we don't live in the same place, we can't sit in the same room and chat with each other. So there's going to be um, some audio issues no matter what we do uh just because we also live in the middle of nowhere and um internet sucks and both Mm -hmm. of the places we live (laughs) so um so yeah I left my headphones at work so therefore I'm not using my microphone because I don't have my headphones to go with it so sorry guys (laughs) this is is what it is today (laughs) yeah and you know that's it's we're not professionals 
we're not pretending to be professionals specifically for you know audio recording that's not I'm literally winging this and so is Haley so yeah we're winging it hardcore winging it we're learning as we go um so there's two stories that we've talked about over text but I think we need to talk about in uh on this podcast yes the first one I actually found them both on the same day I think the first was a wild one. ride <laughs> it's a weird day yeah. um and this for Florida apparently <laughs> Florida this is from ABC 13 news I think down in Florida um and it's titled Florida woman missing for 20 days found alive and naked in a sewer system <laughs> yeah casual <laughs> and it's like only Florida <laughs> it would be only Florida when I read that I was like oh of course yeah. I don't, I don't know why I would think anything else. No. So it says that this woman was pulled from a sewer in Delray Beach Tuesday morning after being missing for 20 days, which is a long time to be in, in a poop shoot. Um, Literal poop shoot without any food or water. Right. Um, this woman was identified as 43-year-old Lindsay Kennedy. And basically what happened is on Tuesday, another woman was walking by this a sewer drain and heard a woman calling for help and so my favorite part of the story though is how she like got there in the first place (laughs) yeah it's stupid did you read the full article yes dude it's it's stupid she's like oh I was swimming in a canal and I saw this like doorway so I figured I'd go check it out and I saw another doorway I figured I'd go check that one out and it was just like like she found like a random tunnel while she was swimming in a canal which if any of you've been to Florida they're not clean especially in residential areas (laughs) so like she had to have been on drugs I mean yeah well so that's what they're saying her family and and friends uh uh has basically have said that she has a history of doing odd things and making bad decisions as I well. love that that's quote for quote folks like <laughs> she has a history of making bad decisions quote for quote <laughs> and doing odd things I'm like it me it me <laughs> <laughs> that's like them low-key saying yeah she does Ill- they actually never mind it wasn't even low-key they did say in that article that she has a history of doing illegal drugs mm-hmm. too Yes, it's just wow. that she has a history of mental illness and a frequent user right. of illegal yeah. narcotics, which all of that, like mental health is super important. And, you know, if this allows her to either go to rehab or to get some therapy and help, that would be great because this is not something- Homegirl needs it. Yeah, this is not something you want to be doing on a regular basis. Um, yeah. But all in all, the- only in florida (laughs) yeah florida woman for sure yeah so what i want to know and what i haven't really been able to find out partially because i haven't really looked into it because i've been busy um but how did she stay alive you think she ate other people's shit but that would probably kill you yeah unless like i mean it was a was it they say storm drain or sewer it was a sewer and she's just hanging out like underneath the city lost maybe she found a gator and rascaled it (laughs) and a gator for 20 days because like there wouldn't be any fresh water down there 
at all. And Mm-mm. you can last like more than 20 days without food, like it's possible, but you can't last without water for more than three days. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Maybe. Um, okay. So I was talking to my roommate about this and he brought up the, the option that, um, she actually was not down there for 20 days. And that was a cover up because she felt so embarrassed about getting lost in the sewer. Yeah. And so she probably was down there for a shorter amount of time, but said she was down there for lost forever. Yeah. Because she didn't want to like own up to the fact that she fucked up. I mean, that's the only thing I can think other than like, she killed a bunch of rats and drank their blood, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And if you're tweaking, like anything's a possibility, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Cause like you can get water from blood. Like that can keep you hydrated for a time. The other option. Yeah. God, I did not know that. That's disgusting and frightening. The things I know would scare the shit out of most people. I'm starting to learn that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The other thing would be drinking pee. But as we kind of established episode one, like that only is a good for a little while. And then your pee just starts becoming too concentrated. I don't, I don't know that you could do that for 20 days. Yeah. 20 days is a long time. Also, where would she put it? She was naked. Also, did she? And how, why, and why was she naked? Yeah. <laughs> like, she said she was swimming in a canal, but like, wouldn't she be in a bikini? I would hope so. I don't know right? what Florida's uh, like decency laws are. <laughs> I don't think there are any really. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, does not surprise me if there were none. But also, like, if I was skinny dipping, you know, I wouldn't go explore like a random tunnel that I didn't know what it was. It like I, I yeah, very vulnerable when you're naked. Yeah. Sorry if you can hear Waylon. By the way, Waylon. <laughs> I can hear him. I'm like, oh, that that, that dog's trying to play. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, we literally just got home and I let him out of my room and fed him and let him out the door. And yeah, so uh, he's trying to play for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, so this lady uh, naked and stranded for 20 days in the sewer system. Mm-hmm. And I read in that article, too, that she was kind of wandering around the sewer system until she saw light. Mm-hmm. And then she realized she was at like a, um, a grate. And she just stayed there and yelled for help until someone came. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy. Imagine walking down the street and then just hearing someone yell for help and looking down and be like, oh, shit, (laughs) a naked woman. (laughs) Yeah, that would cause some nightmares for sure. Absolutely. Hopefully there are no children around. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, so that I'm going to kind of keep following to see if there's like more details that we find out in the next week or so, because I'm genuinely curious if she really did survive down there. What did she do? Yeah, I like I'm leaning more towards she tweaked out, got lost and was only down there for probably like two days instead of three days. And 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 then since she was, yeah, and since she was tweaking, she had no uh, thought about time or anything like that. Either that or she was embarrassed. Or she was embarrassed. Yeah. Um, so our second story, our second story 
is a Twitter thread um, from Jensen Karp, who my friend has told me is apparently, and I might be wrong on this, so if anyone knows, let me know, um, is apparently Topanga's husband in real life, like Topanga from Boy Meets World. I did see jokes about that, but I cannot mm-hmm. confirm. Yeah. And basically what happened, what happened was he found shrimp tails in his Captain, or sorry, not Captain Crunch. Oh my God. Cinnamon Toast Crunch (laughs) cereal. And they're not just like, like for a second, I was like, oh, well, maybe he just placed them there. No, there's like cinnamon sugar baked on to these little baby shrimp tails. They're definitely shrimp tails. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a shrimp biologist, so I think I've seen enough shrimp to know <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so he went basically to general mills and was like, Hey, what's going on with this? And basically, you know, general mills was like, Hey, please contact us and we'll DM you more details. We're really sorry. Blah, 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 blah. This is what they responded with. After further investigation with our team that closely examined the image, it appears to be an accumulation of the cinnamon sugar that sometimes can occur when ingredients aren't thoroughly blended. We assure you that there's no possibility of cross-contamination with shrimp. They're freaking right there. (laughs) They are 100% shrimp tails. And then I love, did you see how there was like one... I think it was like one scientist came on and was like, yo, uh, I got such and such. I think it was like Zymo Research mm-hmm. was like, hey, we can <laughs> like extract the DNA from this and like run it through our testing and confirm if it's actually shrimp or not. And then everyone was like, oh, General Mills, you got scientists up on here. Like, <laughs> you yeah. retract your statement because that, I mean, that ain't right. They're definitely shrimp. I mean, there's legit uh, geneticists. And there's a shrimp biologist down uh, by us in Louisiana that's basically like, hey, like, send us a sample. We'll, you know, we'll sequence it and tell you if it's shrimp. But it's so obviously what it is that it's it's shrimp tempura, like the tail part. If you guys have ever had shrimp tempura and seen the fried tail on shrimp tempura, that's exactly what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Only it's in cinnamon toast crunch. Yes. And then There's on- no fucking way that that's accumulated uh, sugars <laughs> and cinnamon. <laughs> like, why would you even lie about that? I just, I can't. You know how, like, on shrimp tails, like, I don't know the anatomy of it, but, like, the, the tail, the very end of the tail kind of, like, fans out. Mm-hmm. Like, if you lay it flat or whatever, like, you can see that it's, like, pinched together in mm-hmm. twos. And, like, it can be, like, flat out. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're little tail fins <laughs> and yeah. the little end part of the the telson. Yeah. So I'm telling you as a shrimp biologist, there it's 100% shrimp tails. Like I, I don't I'm have it. you as a human being, it's 100% shrimp yeah. <laughs> A human being <laughs> who's eaten shrimp. <laughs> like, that's some shrimp right there. I've had enough shrimp in my life to know that that is not accumulated sugars. And I know that one has nothing to do with survival, but it just cracked me up enough that I felt like we need to talk about it. Yeah, dude, but that's not good. If someone has a shellfish allergy and they're eating cinnamon toast crunch, they could die. True. Way to bring it back into the topic. 
I definitely know how to circle it back for sure. <laughs> well, and then the other thing is it looks like there are little, what looks to me like little rat turds that have been baked into yeah. the cereal, mm-hmm. which I don't like rats. We've talked about our rats on this podcast. Do you still have Mike Pence in your house? We do. He has chewed on one of my favorite blue velvet pillows oh, no. for no reason. What a fucking asshole. I know. Yeah, but, but uh, the cereal shit, though, like literal cereal shit, like mm-hmm. that's not... General Mills has to step up their game because yeah ain't good not looking good for them no i mean it's it's like a pr fiasco and mm-hmm. i just don't understand why they're being weird about it because like, yeah just come out and be like sorry we don't keep our uh our spaces as clean as we should yeah yeah <laughs> that's literally what it is like they need to clean their shit for sure it's nasty anyway um so a couple of kind of housekeeping that we need to do uh, before we talk about the main story. Um, basically, um, if you've listened to episode two, we had some audio issues on Haley's end that because I guess I'm like hearing blind, I didn't even notice until we posted. <laughs> hey, it's okay. I mean, everyone understands we're going to have like audio issues to begin with but Uh, we're working on them we just need everyone to understand that we are aware of them and we are working on them and it's going to take a a little bit of trial and error on my end because I'm also a dumbass and forget my headphones at work so (laughs) 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 there is that I'm also ordering headphones like yours Jillian the Mm -hmm. over the head ones um so yeah and then yeah now I'm sitting in my closet to see if uh (laughs) that helps anything let be less echoey so uh everything's great yeah yeah we're working on it (laughs) yeah it's it's a work in progress so the other thing I wanted to bring up that I don't think we made abundantly clear because you know we're winging half of this um is the fact that we are a bi-weekly podcast (laughs) we're not weekly and the reason that we did this is because we both work full-time jobs um and this is a fun side project for us and we definitely want to do it and we want to create quality content as much as we're able to do. Um, but I didn't want to start off weekly and then have to drop down to bi-weekly because it was too much for us. So we're going to start with bi-weekly and then see how it goes. And then maybe someday we'll be up to weekly or we'll be doing bi-weekly main episodes and then weekly like mini episodes. Um, but, um, for right now it's going to be bi-weekly and, um, we're just going to see how it all goes. Um, and so with that, uh, I think we are going to, uh, start with the, uh, story, the main story. So Shackleton part two, Shack Attack, the Shack Attack. The return of Dirty Ernie. The return of Dirty Ernie. Yes. <laughs> yes. My favorite survival story of all time. Um, return of the Endurance. Shack Attack Part Two. I did so, buy the book. You did buy? Did you? Did it show up? I didn't read it. it sh- yeah, finally fucking showed up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't read it yet. I'm waiting for you to tell me the whole story to read it because I'm in, like I would love to see it from the book version too. Yeah, and there's a lot like I'm I'm kind of telling the Cliff Notes version of that. Um, so 
you know, there's a lot more details that I had to leave out because I don't want this to be, I don't want to just sit here and read the book. <laughs> yeah. I <that's> could. <laughs> but, Chapter eight says. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm giving you the quick and dirty, dirty Ernie. Um, Love it. Okay. So if you remember where we left off last time, basically, um, Shackleton and his crew got stranded, frozen, basically, in an ice sheet on the Weddell Sea in Antarctica. Their intention was to cross the Antarctic continent, but they never even got a chance to do that because their ship never made it to the continent. And so basically, they were camping out on the sea ice. Basically, if you want to get the full synopsis of it, listen to episode three. Um, so at this point in the story, um, it's early April and the flow, the ice flow began breaking up underneath them, um, literally as they're sleeping. And the next day on April 9th, 1916, Shackleton made the decision and then all 28 men crowded into three small lifeboats and then began making their way towards land. Um, so at this point, they are trying to reach land um, in order to have some solid ground at the very least between or beneath their feet. Um, now, are these lifeboats being pulled by the dogs or the dogs are already eaten? The dogs were already eaten at this point. Okay. So they didn't have, they ended up killing the dogs in part because they weren't, they were starving. The, everyone was starving right. to death. And then So who also, was pulling these boats? Well, they're in the water now. So they're, yes. Oh, yeah. So when you said that they were, (laughs) so when you said that they were, the ice flows were breaking up, like it broke up enough for they, okay. All Mm -hmm. right. Or there. So they're all, they're all getting in, in the lifeboats and they're getting on the water and they are trying to find their way out of this icy maze to try to reach land. Um, Got it. Yeah. So, and these boats were not very big. I think the biggest one was uh, about 25 feet long which is like the size of a small research vessel or like a like a large um, outboard motor uh, can probably hold five to seven people should probably only hold five to seven people max but you know divide 28 by three and you know that's what you got (laughs) uh, and they were also sail powered um, so they had little masts mm-hmm. and little sails, um, but when there was no wind, they had to row. And so that's how they were getting around in these things. Okay. Um, so the initial plan was to try to aim for this island called Deception Island um, because it was actually occasionally visited by whalers um, and therefore had the potential to actually have provisions stored on the island, um, you know, because a lot of whalers pass through there and they may need to resupply. Um, And there was even a shelter on this island in the form of a small wooden church. You know, would have been, it's better than a tent, you know, when you're in Antarctica, so. And they got God's graces, so. Exactly. Um, So, but like many, many plans on this voyage, this one was absolutely dashed to pieces. (laughs) Wait, Um, the, the, church was not no no no, no. I'll, I'll explain okay, okay i'll explain the plan was dashed to pieces, the plan the was church. dashed to pieces not the church All i don't right. know i don't know what happened to church because they never made it to deception island oh fuck yeah. All right. Well, all right. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so 
on the 9th of April, the crew got into these lifeboats. Like I said, they were 25 foot long, about the size of your average motorboat. Not big, but for once, this was actually kind of an advantage as they were completely surrounded by like large chunks of sea ice and icebergs. Um, so it was a lot easier for the smaller boats to be able to maneuver between these obstacles. Um, but at the same time, like they had to be careful um, because it was very easy for these boats to become crushed between like two icebergs or flows. Um, so it was, it was constant stress um, and they had to be kind of awake the entire time that they were in the boats, just being alert and aware. Um, so the men's mental state was at this point starting to deteriorate because um, they were constantly battered with icy seawater. And the temperatures over this period were sometimes as low as negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit um, because winter was starting to move in. And they also had very little food at this point. Um, and the freshwater stores that they had brought with them of like the melted uh, snow had uh, often became contaminated with seawater. So they were beginning to become delirious from thirst and hunger um, during this little sea journey that they are on. Um, Did they get scurvy too? Well, I don't, they didn't have enough time to get scurvy and we'll, we'll get to oh. that. Yeah. Okay. So some of the descriptions I've read from this journey are some of the most awful conditions that I've ever heard ever. And I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of books about situations like this. So I've, I've come across a lot of effed up stuff. But basically their clothes were constantly soaking wet um, and besides the ever present below zero freezing cold, there was a limited time for sleeping. They were stuck in cramped positions in boats almost the entire time, except for the few times they had to anchor down on an ice flow during particularly rough weather. Um, and then also they were starting to develop salt blisters um, from sitting, uh, which is similar to like a pressure sore, um, but it's just exacerbated by the burn of the salt water. Um, so what? I, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah. Um, that just happens a lot with people who are like kind of, you know, lost at sea um, or like adrift at sea, you know, in yeah. lifeboats that you have to deal with. And it's something I actually have had the pleasure of experiencing because I have God bless. annoyingly sensitive skin. Um, so I actually often get salt rashes on my forearms after working mm -hmm. out on the water for a day and I just break out in a rash. And so if I can get that from like one day of working out in the field, I can only imagine the pain and discomfort these men were facing. So did they get like frostbite or hypothermia if they're out there like that? Well, we'll get there. All right. Got it. <laughs> We're going to get to it. <laughs> We're going to get to it. All right. Yeah. I'll, just yeah, yeah. I'll stop asking questions. No, no, no. It's fine. It's, <laughs> that's why you're here. Um, so after six days of this freaking nightmare, uh, Shackleton decided that it was better to head for the nearest island, um, which is called Elephant Island. Um, so they managed to navigate to this barren spit of rock, which is just off the tip of the Antarctic Peninsula. Um, and they managed to land on a narrow rock beach there at Elephant Island and then um, had to relocate to a larger, safer, rocky beach 
Um, but it was the first time they had been on land in 227 days since they had departed for the expedition. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you still um, have the photos I sent you. I can pull it up. Yeah. So just to give you an idea of this island, it's, it's not like pretty fun paradise. Um, So if you could look at the picture that a group of two pictures I have of Elephant Island and kind of describe Mm -hmm. what it looks like for our listeners. Yeah, it's a big fucking rock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, uh, it's, you got your penguins and your snow Mm -hmm. and it's highly elevated. It's not even... It, it's like a straight, what is that, like 90 degree angle up to the top? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right term, but it's, yeah, steep elevation. And there's no, like, there's hardly any shoreline. It's pretty much just straight. Like sheer rock, sheer rock yeah. faces, yeah. Yeah, like you hit it and you're like, the only way to go is up. Yeah. And there's like no vegetation whatsoever. There's, there's no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's My bad. Did not grow- no, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> there's, there's definitely nothing growing there either. Um, so it's it's a you know, but it's yeah, it's better- like legit just gray. It's gray. Yeah, Big but old it's, gray rock. It's better than being on the sea ice, according to them. So I mean, I could imagine that that's a nice break from being on sea ice. Yeah, but yeah. also like, where do you lay down? Because it's that's like I said, it's not that flat, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you got like a cliff. Yeah, so you can see why like you know they had to relocate to a beach that was a little bit better and I think that that picture with the penguins in it is that beach Um, oh okay I mean that that looks like it has more space but even then it's not a lot of space no (laughs) so at this point the closest human settlement that could be reached under the prevailing winds was South Georgia Island um, which is an island that was 800 miles away It's south of um, the very bottom tip of South America. Um, And it's an island chain that at the time had a whaling station, which Norwegian whalers lived at year round. I wonder what that would have been like. I mean, that's that's where a majority of the whaling at the time was happening because we had already hunted a lot of the whales out to extinction up in like the North Atlantic. Um, So they had to move to different areas basically and and exploit those areas. So that's why Mm -hmm. we came to Antarctica in the first place. So the only lifeboat though, that had a prayer of a chance um, in making it was the James Caird. Um, This was the- I'm looking at that picture right now and I'm like, yo, (laughs) (laughs) what is this? Tell me more. It is a very tiny, tiny, tiny (laughs) boat. Um, so it's the biggest and most intact boat after that six-day sea journey. Um, and the Caird was fixed up uh, complete with a canvas and wood roof built over the majority of the open boat. Um, and it also, they made a larger sailing mast so they could take advantage of the winds. And this, this was expected to sail the 800 miles across open ocean to reach South Georgia. Otherwise, yeah. no one would know where they were. No one. Y'all, would know. this thing looks like a toy. It doesn't even <laughs> look like it's a dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how. Did this? Did this make it the eight hundred miles? I don't know how it would have. 
and they got two, four, six, eight, nine guys that are going to sit on that thing. That's nine guys in the photo. I'm just assuming that they're going to be on that. Shackleton chose uh, five men to go with him, including the, including the captain of the endurance Worsley as a navigator. Um, and then he brought the carpenter McNish and um, three other sailors, uh, Crean, Vincent and McCarthy. And the rest of those guys in this picture, I think are pushing them out from the beach um, so that they could, you know, get out into deeper water. Um, so basically, like I said, if they didn't make it to South Georgia to alert the whalers um, that their crewmen were still in, you know, on Elephant Island, it is likely that the remainder of the crew would never be rescued and basically would just die of exposure and starvation. Um, so they, it was, you know, not a lot of room for error. <laughs> so, um, so Shackleton left his right-hand man and Antarctic expedition veteran, Frank Wild, as the leader of the men remaining on Elephant Island. And all these men could do now is basically just sit around and wait for a ship on the horizon and survive. And that was... And they didn't, there was absolutely no guarantee that a ship would be coming for them. And they would have oh no way god. of knowing if Shackleton had made it or not. Oh my god. You yeah. think any of them started hallucinating and imagining that a ship was on the horizon? You know, I would believe it because I have been completely sound of mind and thought that there was a ship on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> turns out I'm just seeing things, so. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah. So on April 24th, the carriage left Elephant Island. Um, the seas that they would be crossing are, to this day, the worst seas on planet Earth. And they were in a 27-foot lifeboat. I'm looking at the pictures that you have on this document of this Navy vessel crossing this. There should be a YouTube link attached if you want to go there watch is. it. You should I'll go watch, watch it after it. we talk, though. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what that little fucking dinghy looked like if this is what a Navy ship looks like. <laughs> I don't know how it didn't get swamped. I Like the bow of this Navy vessel looks like it's about to be taken over by this wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is modern day, um, the same area that Shackleton was crossing. Um, wow. So the band of seas that circles Antarctica um, is called, there's like three bands um, that are associated with a certain latitude. And they're called the Screaming 60s, the Furious 50s, and the Roaring 40s. And basically, those just, you know, coincide with like a 40-degree latitude, 50-degree latitude, and 60-degree latitude. Um, But they're called that because it's like so rough and the winds are so intense that, I mean, it's self-explanatory, I guess. (laughs) Um, So because the polar vortex... Uh, because of the polar vortex, basically gale force winds blowing off of Antarctica circle around this region. And because, unlike in the northern hemisphere, there's no land mass to break the wind, waves just build and build and build and build, and there's nothing to weaken them. Um, so if you go check out that video, see if we can uh, post it um, with our uh, episode notes. Um it's a video of a very large naval ship trying to sail in these conditions at these latitudes. Um, and we're talking about 30 to 50 foot seas. <laughs> like, yeah. this, 
and it's, not okay. And I've been in 15 to 30 foot seas before in a hundred foot vessel. And that was scary enough. Um, All right. So I just started playing it. Yeah. This is giving me the heebie-jeebies and also kind of making me a little seasick. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's not oh, good. Yeah. yeah. And this is an, it's in a modern ship. And so picture that. I mean, this, this ship is, you know, oh, maybe wow. 200 foot long vessel, maybe 300. And <laughs> they were sailing in a 27 foot dinghy, basically. <laughs> oh yeah. And the way that this wave just hits this vessel and it just engulfs them. Yeah. Oh my God. And it's a big ship it is it's a ship for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see if there's any info in this like description. Uh, the RMZN vessel HMNZS Otago or Otago. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, O-T-A-G-O. Sailing through a storm in the Southern Ocean, 20 meter swells with 80 kilometer winds. Yikes. <laughs> so obviously they uh, soon encountered some heavy sea conditions. <laughs> mm. Um, and basically, (laughs) yeah, basically what happened was ice was settling onto the boat, um, because the water that was washing over the boat just started freezing and basically made the boat heavy and start to ride sluggishly in, in these conditions. So these seasoned sailors, um, nearly faced absolute disasters during these massive storms. Um, Shackleton claimed um, on one night he saw the largest wave he had ever seen in his 26 years at sea. Um, And of course, these waves were constantly getting into the boat, constantly soaking everything. Um, And basically, the only reason they were still upright is because they situated the ballast, so the weight just so, so the ship wouldn't roll or the boat Sorry, it's a boat. It's not a ship. So the boat would just not roll completely over when they would get bashed by these waves because they had the weight distributed in a way that uh, allowed them to stay upright. Um, So the men had to constantly bail water out of the boat, though. Um, And so both of the freshwater cisterns that they had became contaminated. So there was no clean drinking water. Um, The men would take shifts with some trying to sleep under that covered Hull that I talked about. Uh, Worsley, um, who is the navigator for this voyage, mentioned that there was no way to get comfortable as their sleeping bags had soaked through and they were using rocks as the ballast. So that was their weight distribution. They just got a bunch of rocks and put it in the boat. Um, And so they were essentially sleeping in the roughest seas on earth on a big pile of rocks. (laughs) God bless in soaking wet sleeping bags <laughs> how miserable oh my god <laughs> like, this is these conditions are unbelievable to me and not to mention it's still fucking freezing fucking cold yeah yeah oh my god no thank you like i under i honestly don't understand how they just didn't die not just from like the cold and the wet obviously they had survived that for a while but from the lack of sleep, I mean, mm-hmm. your body's taking a beating. Yeah. I mean, sleep deprivation is like a known torture method. I mean, it basically- yeah. Didn't they do like those studies across the pond about like keeping people up for like, yeah, however long they could until they mm-hmm. went insane? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it basically just unwinds your brain to the point where death is favorable. 
Yeah, you start and, going crazy too. Mm-hmm. Start so, seeing things. So then add the, you know, cold and the wet and the discomfort plus lack of sleep. Like I oh. would just been like, peace, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Oh no, thank you. Yeah. So. No bueno. Yeah. They were at this for 14 days. God. <laughs> Fuck this story. It just keeps getting worse and worse. <laughs> I know. 14 days of what can only be described as the most hellish hellish conditions ever faced on earth but they actually reached south georgia they reached wait south they georgia. reached it yes. they reached it and wow it good for them all due to worsley um who is was the captain of the endurance so shackleton <laughs> was the uh, expedition leader but worsley was supposed to be the captain of the ship that got them there right okay so he was stuck with the rest of them you know yeah so he was the one who managed throughout these storms to navigate um Mm -hmm. to get them to south georgia island and i've done celestial navigation it's difficult on a clear night and he was only using like oh you know today we got a glimpse of the moon or a glimpse of these stars so i quickly calculated our position And he was able, based on his prior knowledge of sailing through those waters and then like what, you know, readings he could get from celestial bodies, managed to get them to South Georgia. Wow. Which is incredible. Yeah, that's very incredible. I don't know how they could have done that. Like give that man. That's beyond me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Give that man a medal. There's actually a really good documentary on Netflix. Um that's called Shackleton's captain. That's actually all about Worsley and his experience. And it, it offers like a, another look at the expedition through, you know, the eyes of somebody else. And it's just amazing what he was able to do. So they reached South Georgia, but uh, don't celebrate yet. <laughs> because unfortunately uh, they had landed on the wrong side of the island, opposite of where the whaling port was. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh-huh. And <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll just walk across the island. It's no big deal. No. Knowing this guy, it's never that easy. No. Um, <laughs> there was a jagged mountain range in their way. And of they, there was. They couldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and they couldn't sail around the island to the whaling port because, well, the winds, the way the winds were, it just would have pushed them back out to the middle of the Southern Ocean. And that's the difficult part about sailing is that sometimes you have to take the long way around um, in order to take advantage of the wind situation. And so basically, Mm -hmm. if they had gotten back in their boat, the winds would have just pushed them past South Georgia and they wouldn't have been able to sail around to get to that whaling station. Wow. (laughs) I mean, it's basically the equivalent of losing your grip during a spacewalk and then drifting off into space. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> Mother nature, man. Yeah. So, kill ya. so <laughs> basically they're preparing to cross, you know, this mountain range. So in the meantime, let's, let's check out our friends over waiting for them on elephant Island. Um, so what are they, they doing over there? They're having a great time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just shooting the shit. Yeah. 
Um, so they had gotten to work on converting the remaining smaller lifeboats into what they called the snuggery. The snuggery? Yeah. Like a snuggie? <laughs> it's a very cringy descriptor. If you ask me, basically the lifeboats were overturned um, and turned into roofs and the walls, okay. like they basically were making a shelter. So the lifeboats were the roofs and then the walls were created from the rocks and mud on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, it was effective uh, in keeping like a lot of the cold and the wind out and they were able to have a fire, you know, in the snuggery mm-hmm. to keep warm. But that fire was super gross because they only had seal blubber as fuel for the fire. Ew, I bet it stunk. Yeah, because there's no wood, right? Because there's no trees. <laughs> Yeah. The only wood they have is the ones in the lifeboats, and they may still need those to try to get to South Georgia if Shackleton doesn't make it or they don't see a ship in a certain amount of time. So that's what they're thinking. So they're like, well, we can't burn that wood because we might need that boat later. Oh, God. Um, so they're basically just using seal blubber as, as fuel for the fire. Basically, when you burn seal blubber, it's like really smelly and dirty, and it just creates kind of this black grit and it just yeah smells I that's mean, gross yeah uh, but it was effective um and then the ground... guys are super resourceful though oh yeah i mean that's like very very resourceful so then okay so they burned these steel bulbers for warmth and then what happened to the ground sorry i interrupted no, no. it's fine <laughs> um so the ground of the hut was also constantly wet and muddy from the heat of the fire so the, the fire was so hot that it was, it was melting whatever ice was, you know, on the ground. And so it just created a big muddy mess inside the shelter. And some people were able to sleep up in um, the boats, like on the benches in the boats. Um, but some people had to sleep on the ground. Um, and so at this point, their reindeer hide sleeping bags were starting to literally rot in decay. Oh, I bet that sunk too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So there is some point where your furs, you know, no matter how nice they are and how well you've tanned them will get ruined if they're exposed to water for that long. Mm -hmm. Um, So they only had a certain. I'm sure salt water makes it even worse too. Yeah. Also, it's just gross. It's just gross. Yeah. So (laughs) why didn't they? Well, Never mind. I was going to ask why they didn't burn those, but I guess it's like they were still thinking like sleeping bag, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think that they could have like fashioned seal blubber to be like insulation? Well, that's a good question. Bag? Yeah, I was wondering why they didn't because clearly they had seals that they could kill if they had the seal blubber. So I always wondered why they didn't just skin seals and attempt to tan the hide in some kind of way. I don't know how you would do that. Um, but I mean, the Inuit. I mean, they were burning been, a fire, right? Isn't that like tanning? Tanning's fire. I don't done, know. Right? I don't. I don't know how to tan things. <laughs> I just but, know how to tan my body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the Inuit had been tanning hides in the high Arctic for years, so and they had to have known about that at that point. So I always wonder yeah. why they didn't just skin the seals and use that. And, yeah, and turn, interesting. Turn those into sleeping bags, but you know. Maybe it was like one or the other. You can use all of the seals as like multiple resources and they just chose to burn it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't see why not. (laughs) I don't see why not either. 
But, they could have like made new sleeping bags and then burnt the reindeer ones. But I guess yeah. the reindeer ones don't have as much fat, probably. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, but you remove that's gonna be that that's gonna be what keeps me up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like really, really think about those reindeer sleeping bags. <laughs> like 1 a.m. Googling things. Yes. Um so the men themselves were also in pretty shit shape. Um, so one of them may have suffered a heart attack on that voyage that they did. Oh shit, really? Uh, yeah. And another was depressed to the point where he refused to do anything or talk to anyone. Hey, that, that me, <laughs> that's, that's me after a long week. No, mm-hmm. not doing anything. I'm not talking to anyone. I'll be in my room. No yeah. go up watching Netflix. <laughs> like I can really relate to the to that man. Like Me too. on a, a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. Another um had a rather large and painful abscess on his ass <gasps> from the six-day journey uh, to Elephant Island. So a little butt bump. <laughs> yeah. Basically, his salt blister got so bad that it turned into an abscess. And if you watch the min- AMC miniseries um, featuring Kenneth Brana, 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 whatever, it's sure. good. But it's literally like this little bump right on his tailbone that they have to like oh, bummer pop. pop. Yeah. Oh, bummer! It's pretty nasty. Um, and then bummer, no pun intended. Bummer, <laughs> bum, bummer. <laughs> yes all right but i'm all right i got one i got one in i'm good you're good um so another uh man who's his name was pierce blackborough um and he was initially actually a stowaway he got on their ship when they were in argentina um thinking it would be fun to go on an antarctic expedition so he was a stowaway and then they found him when they got to antarctica and they were like what that is so funny it's like oh i think it's gonna be fun it was not fun (laughs) like so much regret (laughs) i immediately regret this decision like worst decision that man has ever made in his life also that's like the definition of fuck around and find out yeah like so he had frostbite so bad on his feet that he couldn't walk um man yeah and so one foot became so infected with gangrene that they had to amputate it oh so fuck around and find out yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) you'll lose a limb you lose a foot so yeah speaking of frostbite there was some frostbite going on but amazingly, okay. he had the worst of it. Oh, just one foot was gone out of all yeah. that. Yeah, jeez, crazy. I know. I watched the, uh, I watched the last descent, and then I watched Everest to keep mm-hmm. in line with our stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've already watched 127 hours, like two <laughs> or three times, so I don't need to see that again. But um, yeah, I the frostbite in Everest was yikes, big yeah. yikes. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I was doing some side Googling, like catching up on the survivor stories, Mm -hmm. you know, like, where are they now? What are they doing? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, that was a, that's a rough one. And, and if for anyone who's listening, if you want to know a little bit more about what all is involved when you get frostbite, go listen to episode two. 
um, about the 1996 Everest disaster. It's super fun. <laughs> or just Google Beck Weathers Everest survivor on Google Images and you'll yeah. see the aftermath. Yeah, it's great. So silver lining to all of this, um, I guess there were a decent amount of seabirds and penguins on the island for them to eat. So they weren't starving, which was good. But you can only eat so much meat, right? Mm -hmm. Until that like starts affecting your body. Right. So scurvy becomes a big issue because you're not getting the right amount of vitamins that you need. Um, And they were kind of substituting that with like not seagrass, like seaweed, like kelp and stuff that they were able to find. And then also there was some grass on the island during interesting, like the spring and the summer. Um, I think it's called tussock grass and they were able to eat some of that. Um, I don't know how good it was for their digestive system, but it might've kind of staved off scurvy and scurvy is not fun we will eventually talk about scurvy um, Mm -hmm. because it is a fun aspect of 19 or 1800s and 1700s like sailing survival (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know you can't keep fruit um for a long time um and so basically what happens when you get scurvy is you start bleeding from everything like your eyes start bleeding and like your vitamin C deficiency, right? That's that's essentially what it is. Yeah. And your hairline starts bleeding and you just start. Your hairline starts bleeding? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my God. And you like start, you start losing teeth, you know? Oh God. Teeth things always weird me out. That would freak me out. Yeah. I have a great story for that one that we're going to talk about in the future, but they were able to kind of not get scurvy which i'm amazed good for that i know all right so let's check back in with our our friend shack shack attack dirty ernie Ernie. uh so last we checked they were on the wrong side of south georgia island um shackleton knew they were going to have to cross that mountainous interior Mm -hmm. And most of that shoreline is basically just sheer cliffs that drop into the water. So like you can't walk around like on the beaches. It's not going to work like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the interior is the only way to go. Um, Three of the men were in such bad physical state. um, They left them in an ice cave along the shore to pick up later when they had gotten help. Um, So Shackleton, uh, Worsley, who was the captain of the Endurance, and Thomas Crean, who was another sailor that was in a good enough physical condition to walk, um, took off on their 26-mile journey across some of the most difficult mountainous terrain in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, my God. Um, I'm not kidding. Like, modern-day mountaineers with all of their fancy equipment have been trying to cross South Georgia for years. Uh, since Shackleton's crossing in 1916, the next successful crossing wasn't until 1955. Oh, wow. So that's, that's a how, long time. Yeah. And if you scroll down to the pictures, you can see a picture of South Georgia Island during modern day. And then there's another one. Um, oh, that kind of looks pretty, actually. <clears throat> there's another one that Frank Hurley, the photographer, took um, before they left on their trip. They look like two different places. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it's black and white. Yeah, it just looks like it's a lot more uh, 
mountainous too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not in the same spot. Yeah. I mean, those are some pretty solid mountains though. A hundred percent solid. <laughs> so Checks that out. little port that's down there in that black and white picture is actually the whaling station. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see so. that actually. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. bottom right corner. Yeah. I was looking at all these little seals on the first picture. I was like, <laughs> what are all these black bumps on the shoreline there? <laughs> I was like, oh, they're fucking seals. They're seals. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's like, like, I don't want to climb those mountains. No. I mean, in modern day, like that photo you got up there, it doesn't look too bad. But then the bottom one that Frank Hurley took, that photo mm-hmm. looks pretty bad. I yeah. do that. So these men were sailors, not mountaineers. I mean, they didn't have any experience doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they did this with one length of rope between each of them. Oh my God. What? Yeah. That's all they one had. One length of rope between them. Yeah. So they just After tied. watching Everest, that does not sound safe <laughs> <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, so they had no food. They had threadbare clothing at this point. Uh, no proper climbing boots and no map. Cool, cool, cool. Sounds like a great plan. Let's fucking do this. Let's fucking go! (laughs) (laughs) Send it! So they took off on the 18th of May. They walked up and down ridges and slid down dangerous snow-covered mountainsides because it was the fastest way to get them down. So they're like, let's go sledding. And hopefully there's not a sharp drop on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Um, Only one way to find out. Yep. Uh, so they didn't sleep at all. Um, and they did start hallucinating at this point. Oh, fuck, I would have for sure. Yeah. So all three of the men reported seeing a fourth traveler with them. <gasps> Jesus. It's, he was with you. It's definitely Jesus. Um, <laughs> this is something that's actually been experienced by other survival situation people before. Um, and oh, it's, real? yeah, it's, uh, called the third man factor. Um, and it's often observed in mountain climbing survival situations, um, where they, you know, whoever is trying to get through, uh, reports seeing another person with them, even though there's not wow. another person. Hmm. Yeah. It's, pretty creepy but kind of cool (laughs) yeah I mean legit my mind goes to like oh god's watching out so he's got an angel down there with you that's where my mind goes yeah so Shackleton stated I have no doubt that Providence guided us and reported that it seemed to me there were often that we were four not three wow so they marched continuously this way for three whole days. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Three whole days hallucinating just off their rocker. Yeah. So by 7 a.m. in the morning of the 20th, um, they heard a steam whistle. And this was the first human sound created by an outside human agency that they had heard since the end of 1914. Oh, wow. So, so that's like two years of no human interaction besides your yeah. crew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was 1916. <laughs> and they got there. Oy. Yeah. Um, so like zombies, they walked into the whaling station 
And the Norwegian whalers who saw them said that they were almost unrecognizable as men. Oh my God, I'm sure. They were just so, you know, first of all, they haven't bathed in yeah. Lord knows how long. <laughs> they smell. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I just assumed, I guess, since they were getting like splashed, that that was kind of like keeping them at bay. But ew, no. I mean, that would wash some of it, but think how bad their clothes would smell. Yeah, they're not washing their clothes. They're not washing themselves. And and since, since they got off on the sea ice and or got off the sea ice, they haven't worn any other clothes. Yeah, and how long has it been since they've gotten off the sea ice? Um, so that was a couple months. Yeah, months months in the same clothes. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they were, you know, they had a different outfit every day of the week. They were still (laughs) probably rotating between the same two set of clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So they they smelled. Yeah. They stanky. Yeah. So, but they were able to um, get to the head of the whaling station who eventually recognized them, especially after Shackleton was like, yo, I'm Shackleton. We were here two years ago. We set out on an expedition. We're in trouble, basically. And this guy was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) He's like, man, let me know what I can do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So now it was time to go pick up everybody else. Um, So by the 21st of May, uh, Worsley had gone um, with a whaler to pick up the crew Um, that they had left on the other side of South Georgia Island Um, before they crossed it. They left three men there because they were too weak to make the crossing. Um, And all three of them had survived. They had varying stages of, you know, frostbite and issues like that. But it took four attempts and about four months to pick up the other crew stranded on Elephant Island. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Even though they had a large ship at this point, Point, it was not able to penetrate the sea ice surrounding Elephant Island. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they left, you know, before the sea ice had set in. That's why they were able to sail out from Elephant Island. But by then the sea ice had, it was winter and the island was completely frozen. So what they do? So um, basically on shore, the men were running out of food Um, They killed all the seabirds they could find and the penguins weren't using the island as a rookery anymore because it was winter time and they were off Mm -hmm. doing whatever penguins do in the winter. Yeah. um, Finding rocks for their mate. Yeah. And so they were basically surviving on the grass growing on the cliffs and then the seaweeds and kelp. And then some were even chewing their leather clothes and rotten sleeping bags as a food resource. Uh, ugh. yeah i mean the sleeping bag like it is animal so so is leather leather's made from animals so like it yeah is, that's gross but like that's your last resort and also like you still need your clothes <laughs> yeah so. yeah but the fact that they're like trying to get anything and like that's what they're resorting to now yeah um, they couldn't so. find any more like seals or penguins they'd all moved off the island gone to other places for the winter oh yeah because seasonally yeah 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 bummer yeah that sucks so finally though on august 30th the seas were open for some miraculous reason 
And within an hour, um, the Shackleton was able to get in a lifeboat um, and he called to all of the members of the endurance crew asking if all was well. And Frank Wilde waved back from the shore and said all was well, which basically means that every single man survived. Um, oh my God. So with, within an hour of that, that lead and the ice opening up, um, all of the members of the endurance crew were aboard um, the ship. Uh, which was now bound for Argentina. Good for them. So they all fucking survived. <laughs> How the fuck? How does that happen? You would have that out of all of them, one of them would have died, especially the one that like fell through the ice when he was sleeping. Right. Or the dude with the bad frostbite. Or yeah. somebody, you know, when they made that 800 mile crossing, maybe somebody would have fallen overboard because yeah, it's God. just... That's amazing. It blows my mind. They that, all survived that. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's why it's my favorite survival story. Yeah, I can see why. They went through a shit ton of crazy extreme conditions mm-hmm. and did the most resourceful things. And they all came out of it alive. And for the most part, until the end, none of them went crazy. Yeah. It's, it's just, I don't, I don't understand. (laughs) I really don't. That's wild. Yeah. So a majority of the crew, a few months after returning to Europe, however, were immediately sent to the front lines uh, because World War I was still going on. Wow. That sucks. And that's what actually did a lot of them in. I'm sure. Yeah. It, it wasn't this crazy story. It was World War I and World the War, horrors yeah. of war. Um, but some of them did survive. Uh, Frank Hurley, who was that photographer who took all these great pictures, mm-hmm. um, served as a photographer in the Australian Imperial Force um, and documented a lot of his experiences in World War I. Um, and he also returned to Antarctica in later years to document Douglas Mawson's Australian Antarctic expeditions, which I kind of want to talk about at some point because mm-hmm. he's got a really good story too. So you'd think though, after all of that suffering, none of those crewmen would ever want to go back to Antarctica ever again. <laughs> God, um, they did, didn't they? Well, yeah, Shackleton, Wilde, Worsley, and Hurley all did among many of the other crewmen um, and for Shackleton, he actually died there, um, not from starvation, mm-hmm. not from freezing to death or anything like that. Um, said he had a heart attack um, when he was heading down for a voyage in or an expedition in 1922. Oh, bummer. I know. Um, and he's buried on South Georgia Island um, to this day and basically joining the ranks of explorers from the heroic age of Antarctic exploration whose bodies remain on the continent that they inexplicably loved so much. Um, so this continent has a way of drawing you in and then drawing you back and I just find that really fascinating and yeah I think I could be one of those people <laughs> not like I think you could too not like dead because no but like like gone drawn there there mm-hmm. being drawn there wow it's getting late I can't talk it's um well it's like nine o'clock over here I'm like it's time for bed um I'm looking at the photos and mm-hmm. 
modern day, what, how do you pronounce that? McMurdo mm-hmm. station? That looks awesome. And then I love the bottom photo when they're like at the bar eating and you're like, oh, look, they even have bananas. <laughs> yeah. So most of the, you know, establishments, I guess, or stations um, in Antarctica today are run pretty much exclusively for and by scientists. And then all of the construction workers and transport crews and engineers that accompany them to keep those systems basically up and running so that they can have, you know, modern conveniences in the coldest place in the world. Um, And so um, Mike Murdo is probably one of the biggest ones and that's a a U.S. station and they have like several bars. (laughs) So you can go down there and get a drink. Um, And clearly in the picture, there's a bunch of bananas hanging um next to the bar so clearly you know they they have luxury they get to eat fruit <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not stuck eating seals um so and importing all of those textiles though to build that station must have been a bitch mm-hmm. i'm sorry waylon can't come in yet oh waylon yeah so it's a very it's a very different place but if you leave that area you're very much in the same position still as many Antarctic explorers have been, except you have the capability to radio a helicopter to pick you up if you're oh, really in trouble. Nice. Um, that's that's about the only difference. Um, and then if you scroll up, there's one more picture that is um, all of the men that were rescued from Elephant Island the Aww. day they were rescued. And they look gross. <laughs> they do look gross. Um, they look like they've been through it yeah I mean it's just it's incredible so that is the story of Ernest Shackleton and the crew of the Endurance and their amazing survival experience in the Antarctic so my sources for this story was the book Endurance Shackleton's Incredible Voyage which is by Alfred Lansing and if you want to know more about this story. This book has a lot of really awesome details that I did include in this story because of time's sake. Um, And then I also used an article from Popular Mechanics called Chasing Ernest, The Journey to South Georgia to Find the Ghost of Shackleton by Craig Becker. Yeah, I love it. It's a great story. Yeah. I'm glad we split it up into two parts. It's a long one too. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided to start doing that after the Everest one. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, so fair. That's a long episode. Yeah. That's long. It's all and good though. I like to do a lot of research because I feel like it makes the story more real. And I like to, I like to talk about like the conditions that they experience um, and everything like that. So. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So after that, let's decompress a little, not think about frostbite for a hot minute. Um, what good thing happened to you this week or what are you looking forward to? Good thing that happened to me this week. Ooh, sorry, I just had garble. And here's Waylon with his toy in my face. <laughs> <laughs> cool. A good thing that happened to me this week. Um, I got back into sailing again. I had, Ooh. yeah, I hadn't. Uh, been at my sailing classes for a bit and uh yeah yesterday I got back into it so that was fun I really enjoyed that yeah and then also today I rode bikes around Key West with some friends and 
got a beer and hung out and listened to some jazz music at the bar. So yeah, all socially distant and uh, outdoors. So good yeah. thing. That's one of the benefits of living in the South during this time of year um, is that you can do those kinds of like outdoor things and still socially distance because the weather's mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> yeah. For now. Yeah. And the bar we were at was like an indoor outdoor bar because, you mm-hmm. know, Florida, they just kind of have like open air stuff every everywhere. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's good. Yeah, what about you? Those. Um, so I got my first vaccination shot. Oh, I did. I got mine too, but that I, was last week. So yeah. I didn't fit into this week. Well, How did you feel afterwards? Um, I felt fine. Um, I'm getting my next one, not this Monday, but next Monday. And everybody tells me that it's going to be awful. Same. Did you get same. Pfizer or Moderna? Uh, I got Pfizer. Same. Yeah. yeah. I heard the same thing. Yeah. So I was talking to my pharmacist at CVS and was like, yo, how do I get an appointment? Cause I'm in the one B group. And so mm-hmm. it was Corey. He was like, uh, check early. Uh, Monday morning is when they switch over the new week for the schedule. Okay. Um, and so that's good to know. Yeah. Cause PSA. we were checking down here. Well, God, like we got ours at like on a whim it was like the housing authority had extras and we heard through a friend that they did so we scrambled and got down there in time and got got one yeah um but come to find out like Florida Keys doesn't have Pfizer vaccines there's like only one of the hospitals up in Tavernier has them mm-hmm. and so like if we wanted to get our second dose we'd have to go to the mainland oh and then we like made some calls and I guess apparently the CVS on Stock Island is now carrying Pfizer, but it's still like kind of iffy to get mm-hmm. an appointment. We'll see. I feel like it's going to be like down to the wire to get the second one and in, yeah. in the right time frame. but yeah. hopefully we'll get it. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Um, I know. Our, our bosses at work have been pretty chill about like, hey, if you get an appointment, just go do it, you know? Yeah. So we're grateful for that. Um, and yeah, so I'm getting my second one. And it's crazy because, I mean, people are coming from Houston to come here and get their shots. So, which is, it's two hours away. <laughs> it's a yeah, long. that's wild. Um, far. So I'm just feeling very grateful um, right now and a lot more relaxed than I have been in a long time. Same. I was literally about to cry on the way down to get our vaccine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If my roommate wasn't in the car with me, I probably would have cried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yeah. a, a large weight was lifted yeah. because I haven't even met my nephew yet. He's going to be. And so, yeah, my brother is turning 30 this year. Mm-hmm. And by the time I'm fully vaccinated, we'll be like right on time to be able to go out to LA and like be there for my brother's birthday, but then also finally meet my nephew. Yeah. And then at that point, my nephew is going to be about eight months old. Yeah, but he so, won't remember shit, you know. I know, but it's just like <laughs> I the, know, I know. it's just a thing, you know, yeah. like, oh, I saw you when you were a baby. And I'm like, oh, you were kind of like almost a year old by the time I finally saw you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of people are struggling with that right now for sure. Yeah. Um, so but I Yeah, I'm, but I'm glad you're vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I am looking forward. I just went to the store today and bought a 
fuck ton of Easter candy and I'm looking forward to eating it. Get them Reese's eggs. That's Corey's favorite. I'm not Mm. against, I like them too, but I go for the Starburst jelly beans. Oh yeah. That's my go-to Easter. And then like just the Cadbury mini eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Like the cream eggs are too much. Too rich. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Got you on that one. Corey's obsessed with them. So I bought him some of those too. (laughs) I'm like, great. (laughs) Love it. All right. So thank you everybody for listening. Um, We are super excited to continue um, working on this uh, little pet project that we have and watching it grow um, and talking about screwed up shit every week or every other week. Sorry. We're (laughs) bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. Every other week. Um, and so, uh, Haley, where can, um, everybody find us? Yeah. If you guys want to come follow us on social and see what we're up to, AKA see the photos that we talked about on this episode and previous episodes, you can find us on Instagram at mother nature will kill you podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at M N W K Y podcast. And then we also have our website that is motherwaturewillkillyoupodcast.com. So those are the three. Yeah. Come check us out. Look at all the pictures that we keep talking about. Yeah. Because um, they will definitely be in the show notes. And then we pick a few for like the Instagram and the Twitter. So thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new story. Stay safe. But most of all, stay curious, explorers. <laughs>